You are listening to a sermon from Jubilee Church in St. Louis. Throughout the month of February, we are celebrating 20 years of community, love, and purpose. If you would like more information about Jubilee Church, please visit our website at jubileestl.org. Wow, it's great to be here. Of course, when you're my age, it's great to be anywhere. (laughs) 20 years, it seems like uh, it's just amazing uh, what God's done. I'm going to read out of Acts chapter 13 and uh, first uh, three verses, half of fourth verse. And it goes like this. Now there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers. So whenever you, these, are, these are leaders in the church. And so you find they had uh, uh, mixed gifting in the church, which is really, really helpful. They had people who were very good at teaching the word. They had people who uh, heard from God and could give prophetic words to help with direction as well. Their names were Barnabas and Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manian, was a lifelong friend of Herod, the Tetrarch, and Saul. So it was, it was an eldership, it was a leadership team that was also a multicultural, multiracial. And it says, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I've called them. just want to pause here a minute. Uh, the scripture does not say how the Holy Spirit said. And so, I don't think we would assume that suddenly, in the room, there was a voice booming out from an invisible somewhere that said these words. In fact, God speaks and uses people. And since we know there were prophets there, it seems to me pretty clear to assume that one of these prophets, sensing God saying this, Holy Spirit said, through him, set apart Barnabas and Saul for the work which I've called them. This is kind of a big deal because these guys are two of the original leaders of this church. And now they're going to be sent out. Uh, And so, so then, after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them. They sent them off. Being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went. Well, Jubilee Church. Several years ago, before there was a Jubilee Church, Uh, Linda and I were in a prayer meeting with other leaders, and uh, Terry Virgo, who you will hear from uh, this month, was there as well. And we began to pray about St. Louis, the the need to have a church in St. Louis, someone to start a church. So we began to pray, and then while we were praying, there was a real uh, significant presence of God kind of came into the room. And stirred us. And Linda and I found ourselves both weeping simultaneously. It's just strange. This tremendous sense of God's presence. And kind of weeping as we were praying for St. Louis. And people began to prophesy. One of the prophecies was that God would establish a church in St. Louis that would be a light. And she saw a big light in St. Louis. And then, like if you ever look at these... Uh, magazines that have plain roots, that lines going out here and there, and that's they saw that too in their in their little vision. They saw this light, and out from it were the shooting lights. 
and touching down in different places of the country and even other parts of the world, a church that would have an influence like that. Well, it was shortly after that that Terry Virgo asked me if I would consider coming to St. Louis and starting this church. Now, I have to say, when I was praying about it, I've always had a heart for St. Louis. I have a heart for a lot of cities. But it never entered into my mind that actually I would be the one who would lead this church plant. Well, there were several reasons for that. One was I just previously had a serious heart attack, so serious they had to, the hospital had to put me on a helicopter and fly me to a university. And my cardiologist had said to me, you should not ever have any more stress in your life. Uh, which I think was a way of him politely saying, you should resign from being in ministry, uh, should not have any stress. And uh, besides that, I was 50 years old, approaching 50. And just to let you know that 50-year-olds don't start over all that well. They don't actually usually plant churches at that age. It's kind of more of a young man's game. And... Uh, so, there was, so it never really entered into my mind that I should be the guy. I'd be happy to help with it. Well, anyway, uh, both Terry Virgo and, and a guy named Eric Miller asked me if I wouldn't come and, and do this church. And I actually felt I should. So I talked to my wife about it. And after years of being with her, I know there's a way to approach her. There's a way not to approach her. So I said, I said hey, we've been asked to consider... It's kind of nonchalantly as possible. We've been asked to consider going to St. Louis and planting a church. I want you to just pray about it. Because I've learned to let God do that work rather than me to try to do his work. And see, I came home one day and she said, I've, I feel I've heard from God. I feel like God said to me that if, if we'll go to St. Louis, he will be with us and he will bless us. And that's kind of all she needed except she was concerned about my health. I mean, I'm, I'm really thrilled that she still wanted to keep me. And so, but, but God also alleviated those concerns because God said to her, she said, I felt God said to me, and as you go, you will be healed. Well, 20 years later, I'm not pushing up daisies, folks. I'm still here. So it was, it was, it was an amazing Time. Now, all there, there, there are several values as it relates to who we are as a church that you could just spend a lot of time talking about. I mean, it's, I love, love the sense of community, uh, relationships that we enjoy here together, the sense of family, the foundations of grace. That's so life giving. It's in this church. The value we have of the Bible, the Word, and the value we have of the Holy Spirit, Word and Spirit together. The values that we have, that we, we don't want to be a selfish inward community, but we want to be a reproducing church, and we want to give away the blessings God's given us to others. That Therefore, we want to be a resource church. We want to train others. We want to train people and let them go out as well and plant churches. We have we, the, Another thing that we have in our church I appreciate so much is our love for the poor, ministry to the poor, and that we're a people of faith, that we're willing to take risks, that we've been generous when it comes to giving of ourselves and of our money. These are all these amazing things that are in Jubilee Church. However, I just want to focus on one characteristic of Jubilee Church 
that I think made all of these other things actually happen, possible, and to which we kind of owe everything. And from the beginning, this is what we have been as a church. We were just a little handful of people, just like 20 people gathering to pray, uh, just as it was our beginnings. We prayed, and God would speak to us, and the Holy Spirit would be in our midst, and Therefore, I think everything has, that we are that we are enjoying today and that we will continue to enjoy has come out of that, that we are, we've been a praying church, that we want to hear what God says to us uh, prophetically, hearing God and responding to that and being led by the Holy Spirit. And I don't think we would be here today celebrating the blessings of so many lives being changed and transformed and the growth that we've had and the faithfulness of God with us had it not been for that. A lot of things come out of those prayer meetings. We'd be praying and vision would come out of those prayer meetings. And people, because it was, it was quite interactive and everyone had a seat at the table as it were. We were small, of course. And, and, and people would sense things. And so vision would, be, uh, would come out of that. And, and, and God would impress upon our hearts and ignite things in our hearts as we prayed. And so it just sunk down uh, deep into us. Uh, we, we, we'd get the, I felt like it's funny whenever you're this small, and I'm looking around 20-some people there, so we're praying. And I felt like God said that we are to be a church that establishes multiple church plants, or we'd call them locations today, multiple locations. In fact, I thought we should do 20, so we've got a ways to go yet. There's a future for you. And we may have four, but we've got more, all right? There's more for us to do. And we, we, we would pray, and it's really silly to pray into these big prayers. We prayed these great big prayers, and we were this little group of people that, that actually weren't all that impressive. We weren't. But vision was congealed in us, and we bonded in, our, in those prayers. And we prayed these big, big prayers about the kingdom of God expanding, and that we would be this apostolic base, that is, a blessing to many and at a training center for many and, and seeing many people go off and plant and start churches. And though we were few in number, we didn't have any problem recognizing our absolute dependence on God. That's the thing whenever you're small, you know, is, you know, if God doesn't do something, we're, we're just kind of wasting our time here because we didn't have the resources. We didn't have the people. We know whenever you're small like that and just starting out and you're just kind of hanging on the edge, you know you're absolutely dependent Upon God. And let me just say to you a little bit of a warning. One of the dangers of the success that we've enjoyed, the numbers of people that have gathered together into this church family, is you can pull off a whole lot of things now without God. You can, you can, your programs and meetings. We knew we couldn't pull off anything without God. Let's never ever forget that we're dependent upon Jesus. That the life of this church is built upon an absolute and total dependence on him. As evidenced by people who's willing to pray. Because if you didn't need God, you wouldn't pray. Have you ever noticed when you get in really serious trouble, you try to work your way out of trouble. But when it gets to the end, you can't do it. So well, I guess I better pray. It's kind of like a last resort. But you see, <laughs> it needs to be a first resort, see, for us. We never ever want to get to the place where it's a last resort. Well, 
we, we prayed. Our strategy for starting churches was fairly simple, actually. It was, if I were to write a book on it, maybe a paragraph is all it would take. It would be simply this. This is my strategy for starting a church. That is, we get together and we pray. And when we pray, we listen. We just not a one-way conversation. We pray, we worship God, we sense his presence, and we listen and see if God would say something to us. So we would pray, hear God, and then, after hearing God, directed by the Holy Spirit, we would act. That's the simple formula, all right? That anyone can go out and plant churches if you'll do that. Pray, hear God, respond to what he's saying, and knowing that God's with us, we take these risks. Well, in those early days, God led us to a, a church building in Webster Groves that I didn't like because it was a it was a old rock church, but actually it's kind of unique now that I think about it. it. Kind of had some charm to it, but but it was in a buried in a neighborhood on a corner with no parking, which meant cars that park along the street irritate the neighbors, and and it was hidden away. And my idea would be, if we're going to get a building, let's get one on a major thoroughfare with a parking lot, and people can see us, right? And maybe more contemporary in design. Now, that's my idea. But God led us to this place. He led us to this old stone church building. Now, the interesting thing is we didn't really have any money, and we didn't really have much of a history at all. And so we, we made a deal to buy this building. And then, of course, I go to the bank. I put on my best Sears and Roebuck suit or and and uh, uh, but I design a portfolio of uh, to present and uh, went and made my spiel to the banker and uh, he he, uh, he seen he, he was a bank that really liked churches actually and he seemed to be willing to loan us some money he just required a certain amount of money on the table because the banks kind of want you to have skin in the game, you know. And we didn't have any money, but we had 30 days to close. I said, no problem. No problem. It was a problem, but with God, it's not a problem. <laughs> and we went back and we gathered a little group and we prayed and we're going to buy this building and, and we're going to have a gift day. We're going to have an offering day and we need a certain amount. And we had the gift day, and I, I, Mike, you may remember, but I think it was like maybe ten grand over the amount or something like that, wasn't it? That we actually got ten grand more than we needed. God does abundantly above all that we can ask or think. So we bought that building, and then God again led us while in a prayer meeting. That was as time uh, as time moved on, and we were in that building. We grew in that building, and then we were in a prayer meeting. And it's like I felt God say these things. He said, "I want to move you." out of the shade, into the sun, which is generally in the Bible not a good thing because the Middle East is hot and you don't want to be in the shade. But, but I knew what this meant. It meant I've had you hidden away, basically, kind of invisible. Now I'm going to put you in a place of visibility. And so we put the building up for sale. Well, the building didn't sell. We're, we're praying into that. The building didn't sell. But then it's like God spoke to us again and said, I told you we want to move you from the shade into the sun, and you're still here. Well, yeah, we got the building for sale, Lord. We're waiting for the building. He said, I didn't say wait for the building to save. So guess what we did? 
we packed up our belongings and we went out and started renting places. And we went, rented a school and we rented an Eden seminary and then they would move us to another place. And sometimes we had to send emails out to say where we're going to meet this week. And we ended up finally meeting in Orlando Gardens, which would kick us out around Easter time because they had these big meals they would serve there. And I know it was difficult for our people because they're thinking, we have a perfectly good building down there and now we have to like move around and carry all this equipment and set it up and tear it down and we got a building down there because we, but God said but it was good for us because it taught us that we're going to be a mobile church a church that's on the move we're going to be a church where all hands on deck all of us having something to contribute it actually ended up being good for us we still look for a building I was in England at a church in Brighton and after the meeting, the pastor came to me and said, there's a lady here that feels she has a word from God for you. Now, how many of you see some weird person, right? You're thinking, spooky. And she says, no, she has a word of God for you. And, she says, we, I, and I want to tell you that uh, we can verify she's, she's solid. She's been, she has a history here. Uh, very solid. I said, you can receive from her. So, I said, okay, bring it on. And she said, she had this picture. Now, she knew nothing about us. She knew nothing about our situation. She said, I have this picture. She says, when I saw you, it was like, it's like the surface of the moon, which is barren and dead and dry. And I saw this module, like a, you know, lunar module trying to land. And it, it hit the surface and bounced up like nothing to hold it, no gravity. And it hit here, and it bounced up. And it just kept, And that's what we'd been doing. I, and I'm tracking with her now. Yeah, we've been moving from place to place to place. And she says, didn't it set down? And it's barren, death-like place, no life. And when it set down on that surface, suddenly it's like the tropics, plants begin to grow, and life everywhere all around it. And then we found this building, a funeral parlor, <laughs> a place of death. And, and this was it. We bought it, we renovated it, and look at you. You're not dead, are you? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's full of life. This is another little side thing. Is I used to drive up and down the streets. I didn't know St. Louis. I'd just drive around and I'd pray. And, uh, and, and it's like one day I felt like God said, rename the streets. Like you'd like to see. Like you'd like, I'd call this Grace Boulevard. And I'd call this street Christ is Lord. And, and I, I didn't even know there was a King's Highway. And, I, and I, was, I, I shouted out King's Highway. Guess where we are? We're on King's Highway. <laughs> we have a rich history. And it's one of dependence on God. And that dependence is expressed in a people who will pray. It's the dependent who pray. And then hearing God, what is he saying to us prophetically? Seeing God work faithfully as we respond to the direction that he's given us. And through prophecy, opening up doors and then being persistent. And along with this, faith would come. Hey, we're hearing from God. God's with us. God's guiding us. Even when there were obstacles and didn't seem like we were making any headway. No, we've heard from God. And, and we would press on that God was faithful to his promise. And he was. 
Years ago, there was a pastor in England named Charles Spurgeon. He had a little church that grew to 6,000. And, and when asked why, how, what's the secret of this growth? He said, the prayer meeting ought to be very precious to us and to be cherished very much by us as a church. For, we, for to it, we owe everything. When our little chapel was all but empty, was it not well known, in fact, that the prayer meeting was full? And when the church increased and the place was not large enough, it was the prayer meeting that did it all. And nowhere do we see the value of prayer so described in how God works to extend his kingdom through the church as we do in the book of Acts. The book of Acts is more than a history of the early church and the progress of the gospel, just in history. It's a chronology of prayer-based activity and ministry that resulted in a multiplying church movement, and it all came out of the times of prayer. They prayed, God spoke, they responded, and the word of the Lord would go forward. And even when faced with obstacles where the enemy tried to stop it, they'd come and they'd pray, and then God would grant them boldness. The word of God would, would increase. The church was born in prayer. In Acts 13, one, chapter 1, 13 and 14, says they devoted themselves to prayer. Now, that's, that's not a little namby-pamby praying. Time. They devoted themselves to it. And then in Acts 1, 24 and 25, it says they prayed. And they, whenever it comes time to choose leadership. Now, we got a lot of tools to help us find leadership. But the best one I know of is right here. In choosing leadership, this is what they did. And they prayed and they said, You, Lord, you know the hearts of all. Show us which one. And he did. It's in prayer meeting that the Holy Spirit came on them in Acts 2 and empowered them. He fills them. They they gather in homes and along among all the other vital things they did was they prayed. It says, and they devoted themselves to prayer. (laughs) One day in Acts chapter 3, they were on their way to pray. And they come across a man who had been lame from his birth, and God healed him. We don't have any money, but we, well, we, we got something. In the name of Jesus, rise and walk. And the guy was healed, and a revival broke out. 5,000 people gave their lives to Jesus, all because of prayer. In Acts chapter 4, there's an external crisis. As a result of preaching the gospel, they're arrested. What do they do? They gather the church, and they prayed. And they, oh, that's a powerful prayer, by the way. I'm tempted, but I can't go there. And then when they had an internal conflict in the church, so not externally they were threatened, but internally because the church grew, there were some people feeling they were being neglected. And the apostles said, hey, we, we will give ourselves the ministry of the word and to prayer, and we'll point others to serve here. They would not allow those things to cause them to be devi- deviating from their absolute dependence on God as expressed in prayer. In fact, when the gospel broke out beyond Jewish circles, and initially it was, it was the Jews, the first church in Jerusalem was, was Jewish. And there was in the history of the Jewish people a feeling that Gentiles, that is other nations, were excluded. And Peter was in Joppa and he was praying and God gave him a revelation that he was to go preach the gospel to a guy named Cornelius, who was non-Jewish. And therefore, the gospel broke out, and that's why you, all you Gentiles are here, because the gospel broke out to all uh, people groups. It's amazing. 
prayer was instrumental when Peter was in prison. They were in a prayer meeting praying that Peter, he was arrested again for, for preaching the gospel. He was arrested. And they're praying. And, and God releases them from jail. And he shows up at the prayer meeting. And they think they're seeing a ghost. They can't believe God's already answered their prayer. That's a funny. There's a lot of humor in the Bible, actually. But prayer gives birth to the first missionary journey. The scriptures I just read to you in, in, in Acts 13, where the Holy Spirit spoke and said, Separate Saul and Barnabas for the work that I've called them. Can I just say that's the reason you're here? Because the gospel went out and the great missionary movement that went across the globe that continues on to this very day that's never ceased. It's the reason we're here. Because in this prayer meeting, God said, send, go. And they went. Jesus taught us to pray amazing prayers, big prayers, well beyond us. How should we pray, Jesus? He says, pray this way. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on this earth as it is in heaven. That is a remarkable thing. You think Jesus would tell us to pray something that wasn't possible? You think he would do a bait and switch on us? He actually told us to pray that heaven comes to earth. He says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And too many times Christians have been wanting to get out of earth to go to heaven. But God says, let's bring heaven to earth. And the amazing prayers that God responds to those kind of prayers. Prayer is a strategy for receiving God-given vision and for developing a a spirit-driven strategy. It's amazing. God's not obligated to bless our plans. I mean, men make their plans. God's not obligated to, to bless our plans, especially if he wasn't consulted when we created them. The fact is, he does love to bless his people when we hear his voice and are obedient to his plans. He actually obligates himself to fulfill his promises. He knows the plans he has for us. And so when we pray, we're really acknowledging we're not God, but he is. That's why we pray. It's a demonstration of faith. And a God that can do the impossible. A prayer is a statement. This is what it says. Now, we can do a lot of things on our own, guys. We really can. A lot of good things. But when we pray, this is what we're saying. We're saying, oh, Lord, we will never be content with what only we can produce. We want what only you can produce. And that's why we pray. That God does the impossible. It's amazing. It's wonderful. Biblically and historically, every advancement has come because people gathered and they prayed. And that's what the story of Acts is all about. It's about the power of the Holy Spirit through a people who express their dependence on God in prayer, hearing from God and responding to that. And the word of God goes from the church to cities and to nations. And it's a key to releasing the Holy Spirit uh, in an empowered church. Every move of God, it, it was prevailing and persistent prayer that saw amazing things happen. Lives changed, marriages restored, people set free from addictions. And those sinful habits that you try to break, you think they're impossible. It's in the midst of that environment that God does the impossible and breaks those things. It's amazing. That's something that we need to always give ourselves to and be reminded 
of I'm thinking of things that I want to say to you right now. I haven't, I haven't run out of words, but I'm, I'm internally moved by what God has done. One of the advantages that I have over some of you is having been there at the beginning and witnessing the faithfulness of God over the years. And, and some of the things that I've talked to you about Actually, when we're praying for those things back in those various days, there have been stages, even up to get, getting this particular building here. When we prayed about those things, it seemed crazy. It seems ludicrous. It seems like you guys are smoking something. I don't know what it is. It's what it seems like. Why would we pray these huge, big prayers when we're really under-resourced, big time, kind of small? Because our God is our resource, that's why. And because we believe him, and because we believe that we're his people, and his presence is among us, because we believe that God has called us to partner with him, what a privilege that is, to partner with him, to see his kingdom extended, which means communities and neighborhoods can be changed. One life at a time. People's lives can be restored. The sense of darkness and hopelessness. No, no. He's called us to be a light. And we believe that with all of our heart. But we also know that we have to have his presence, his power, his direction. We must be a people of his presence. A people of the Holy Spirit. A people who have listening ears to hear what his spirit wants to say to the church. And that happens as we gather and we pray. And we pray big time prayers. Now, they're short prayers. My back hurts. God heals me. He wants to do that. He wants, he wants to do that. But he calls us together to pray big kingdom prayers too. That sees the advancement of his cause. And of his purpose. It's, it's prayer that asks God for the extension of his kingdom. And the flourishing of his church for his kingdom to grow, for his church to mature, for, for there to be a living and vibrant worship. We want people, when they come in contact with us, to have a sense of God's presence. His, it's like God's presence. It's, it's like an odor on our clothes. It's, it's something they smell. They, I don't know what it is. There's something different about us. And we get that when we're bathed in his presence, when we're in prayer together. When we pray together, and we have many corporate prayer meetings, and we have Wednesday morning. What time is it, Wednesday morning? S- seven? Sorry? 630. 630. 630. Um, I think you can be here earlier if you want and pound on the door, but, but 630. We have corporate prayer. Same as in Kirkwood. We have, uh, uh, we have series throughout the year where we do an entire week of prayer. And then on that Friday night when we do a week of prayer, the locations all gather. We fill up this place to pray. Pray into our vision. Pray into the mission. Pray into what God's called us to do. And when that happens, it's kind of like hot coals. If you take hot coals and you spread them out where they're, not, they're isolated from one another, they die. 
But if you scoop them together, what an inferno, what a blaze. And when we come together to pray, there's the exponential increase in presence and power of God. Hearing the voice of a community that's gathered to pray for the cause that he's called us to. You are here today because of prayer. Our heritage is there. Let's never forget that. That's our DNA. That's who we are. We're, we have a heritage of corporate prayer for God's kingdom to be extended, which actually means basically lives being changed and transformed and added into the family of God. When 20 people gathered to pray, <laughs> it's amazing to see this now, but when we gathered to pray, they had you in mind. 20 people at our beginning. They had you in mind. And when they rose up to do what God had asked us to do and to follow God's direction, they gave of themselves and they gave their money. They had you in mind. It's really not about buildings. It's about you. I want to challenge you. Know where we come from. Know who we are. And what we must be as we go into the future is a praying church, constantly expressing our absolute dependence on God. And let's not, never, never let the fact that there are more people now and there are more locations. And if that's viewed as success, if that is what is viewed as success, let's never allow that. There are more resources to somehow ever, ever replace our absolute dependence on God as expressed when we gathered and we pray. We expect to hear God when we pray together. We value prophecy. Let's always value God speaking. I had a picture or I had an impression. I think God is saying this to us. Let's value that. Let's actually tune into that. When we come to pray, let's expect it. Maybe we should expect we would be the ones doing it. Let's mobilize into action. Let's be willing to take risks. Let's be generous. Because we have this confidence. God's with us. And he will bless us. Or I should put it this way. We are with God. And therefore we're blessed. God's plan and, all, and his promise to us. Here's what happens. We all are aware of our failures and weaknesses. We're also well aware that God can do the impossible. Isn't that right? When we pray, we partner with him. We marry our inability, our powerlessness, our weakness to his all-powerfulness and nothing becomes impossible to the people of God. This message is really not about history other than to demonstrate we stand on the faithfulness of God's promise to us and we are a result of that as much as it is about our future because I believe in many ways we're only at the beginning of what God wants to do for us. And God's going to ask some big things of us. We're going to give money. We're going to give ourselves. We're going to, we're, we've got the DNA of, of those that will come before us. We stand on their shoulders in many ways. But there's more of us now. And there's more that we can do. Think about it. More that we can do. 
Let's never forget our dependence. Let's step up to the plate. Let's not visit that on anyone else. Let's accept responsibilities. I want to give myself to God and to where God's taking us.